We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This thing on? See, now I'm getting mad. Because it's getting ready to be on. I want my whiskey to bite me a little bit. This is the kind of psychopath that I hang out with. I got beat up outside of a Denny's. The Rockpile Report with Buffalo Bills season ticket holder, Drew Gear. He likes to get in the ex's nose. Something I can't do with this podcast because I drink too much. Chris Kruger. My rollerblading blonde mohawk producer. The pettiest, hardest drinking Bills podcast. I'm an adult. I know what I'm about. to another edition of the Rockpile Report live on Twitter Spaces. See what kind of crowd we can draw in here tonight. Maybe get a little uh, little conversation going. I am here. I am your host, Bill Season Ticket Holder, Drew Gear. That's my producer, Chris Krueger. To my left is Ryan Lacell of Rock Sports Network. He's here and he's blessed us, Chris, with the gift. And I say that with quotation marks, the most sarcastic quotation marks anyone has ever seen wrapped around it. Tropical Pineapple Kolsch, compliments of the Genesee Brewing Company. Rochester Classic. Now, in a moment, I'm going to review this. But first, first, let, let's just uh, let's wrap here for a second, guys. Happy Father's Day. Yeah, happy Father's Day to you. Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. All the dads out there. Hey, hey, Ferda, Ferda dads, come on, raise a glass. Absolutely. So... How did you spend your Father's Day? Uh, so I spent my Father's Day with my son and my daughter, and they got me a real sweet Bill's jacket, courtesy of uh, my wife, who always knocks it out of the park for, for gifts and is always quick to put the kids' names on stuff. And my son made me a card, and he's in kindergarten this year, so he came home with a bag full of goodies from the school like they always do and then uh you know we went to uh my parents place and hung out with my dad and grandpa for a little bit and he got he got to be grandpa and dad at the same time which is always a cool thing for him and you know it was a good time chris what about you father's day oh well i don't have any kids that i know of but (laughs) the one highlight of we celebrate just in case chris yeah well but (laughs) we probably should have talked this last week when we did it with iman but my landlord has a Polish mother, which I believe she texts with your wife yes. about because she is Polish. 
So my landlord said in passing to her mother, like, oh, I'm, I want to get a new lawnmower because the one that I have is... It's the basic of basic lawnmowers. It's no self-propelling. It turns on. It cuts the lawn. And so her mom just bought her a new lawnmower, like right there on the spot. <laughs> so we got a new lawnmower, and then I asked her, uh, where did you get this old one? And she's like, well, I got it from my ex-boyfriend's mom. And she wanted to put it on the street. I'm like, no, we're recouping everything that we can get. Well, yeah, you maximize value. Yeah, that's what we're doing. So I put it on Facebook Marketplace, and then this guy messages me, and I accept his offer because he told me he'll buy it, gave me his address if I could deliver it. So I looked up his address before even talking to him. He's five miles away. And then he offers $25 more to have it delivered. So I asked Drew, because Drew's got a truck, so Drew and I went to down Clinton, like towards the city, like in a very poor area, like we're plebeians. Ryan, Ryan, the type of place where you and I, like if I won the Powerball or you just being you, like you'd look around, survey the area and go, yeah, I'd like to level this <laughs> if I could, <laughs> if I could put in a nice... But probably a place that you'd look for a spot to eat. Yeah. And, you know, because... Yeah. Yeah. No, well, what, this is what happened. Like, so we pull up how long was i out of the truck and from getting out of the not truck long. to getting back in not long under a minute okay i pulled the, the lawnmower off the truck guy starts it first pull starts and he gives me 80 bucks because the offer was 75 and he's like no just keep the extra five and then i get back in the truck and then when i get back in the truck drew just goes hey i was prepared if anything went down and just fires out like a switchblade <laughs> Now, Chris, like aren't you jets, happy like that jets I, and sharks? Like, aren't you happy <laughs> though that rumble? I have your back? Yeah, I was I mean, just laughing because I go the whole time we were down here. I'm like, oh, I know where we're going, just in case. Yeah, why not? I'm not getting caught naked out here. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the guy <laughs> Chris laughed. Rather Chris, have it, not need it, than need it, not have it. And Chris was just like, "What did you think was going to happen?" I go, "It's not about what I think is going to happen. It's just, just in case." Well, the guy that I sold it to was not very well nourished, so I could have <laughs> easily taken him. Well, my favorite thing about it, though, is the, the the absolute garbage move that he pulled where he fired up the lawnmower and said to Chris, oh, yeah, that sounds good. What do you know? <laughs> what do you know? West, like, I'm the living in the, yeah, I, I'm, I'll say it, living in one of the worst neighborhoods in Buffalo, Chris goes, what do you do for a living? Oh, I fix basements. That's it. That's the only generalization <laughs> you can make. I fix basements. Yeah. So you're a mechanic, too, on the side, to the degree that you know how good or bad a lawnmower is by the sound? Well, what, what, what kind of nonsense is that? Like, ugh. Ugh. Hate it. So, my Father's Day. Chris, what do you got? We got a request to talk from the only person that's listening. All right. Who do you got? So we're going to bring in a friend of the tailgate and Drew's, uh, I don't know, I guess Drew's drug guy who brings (laughs) Xanax up from Washington. Preston, unmute your mic. Are you there? Yeah, I'm here, guys. How are y'all? <laughs> We're good, brother. We just got done recording a podcast, and we trashed Dan Snyder. Oh, that's all I want to talk about, is he? What about this subpoena? What's going on? Oh, dude. So you want to get into NFL current events? Let's do it. So he gets subpoenaed, right? See, the, Ryan, this is what I love about this show. When you do it live, things just come to you. Yeah, yeah. 
So he <laughs> so knows a wheelhouse conversation. Preston has been excited about this. He knows that we can't wait to dunk on this guy. So we just got done recording a podcast about the stadium situation, which is going to air here probably early next week. And we oh, just outlined Lord. all of the ways that Dan Snyder has not only alienated his own fans, but also pissed off all the politicians. He's made himself radioactive. No one wants to touch him or this team, which Preston, first of all, let me ask you, how do you like root for this team? Like, I know you love your football team, obviously, but it has to suck, doesn't it? Oh, it's been awful pretty much my whole life. And honestly, now, I mean, with the multiple name changes, it just makes it even worse. And then literally Snyder ducking all this stuff. And I mean, we're bringing in the, the federal government here and he's ducking them. <laughs> he just it's, thinks he can just, wriggle his way out of everything, doesn't it? Just, it gets worse and worse and worse and worse. So and honestly, I don't really love the commander's name. So it, it's pretty easy to just uh, just kind of ignore all this stuff going on. I mean, right like what, you, what you once loved. I mean, it'd be like if uh, back in the day, if uh, the Bills had moved to Toronto, it's like you probably still root for them, but no. would it be the same? Oh, no. Chris and I talked about that. If we were to lose the Bills, Ryan. Yeah, if we were going to lose point. the Bills, the podcast would have been over. Podcast over? I don't know that I can watch pro set, football. And yeah, and you would have set Twitter on fire. Not only Twitter, I would have burned our Twitter account to the ground. I said it, the day this podcast is over, guys, enjoy us on Twitter while you can, because the day this podcast ends, I am going to burn this. I'm going to set a fire that's so big they can see it from space. That's going to be our Twitter account. Well, I mean, the Because long- I want scorched earth so that I can't come back even if I wanted to. The long-term goal is to turn this over to Jack and Tom. <laughs> <laughs> no, the long-term goal is to have my children grow up and go, my father was so disgruntled with the state of our football team, he started a podcast. <laughs> now that we have a Super Bowl or two under our belts, we don't feel so bad, and we don't think that's necessary. We'll just drink normal amounts of alcohol like a normal football fan would on Sundays, just Sundays. Just one day a week, we'll drink and lament our football team, and like they'll get to live a normal life. But they'll have this to look back on and remember the old days. Like, they'll have a whole, like, my whole suffering will have been, like, cataloged for my children. So I can just turn it over to them. I just I have a great appreciation for that, too. Because, I mean, children should see their parents suffer a little bit, whether it's sports or something else. It makes a tough kid. No, 100%. In fact, something we're going to touch on later in the podcast, but Josh Allen. Josh Allen has that going where he, you know, he, he, this week he was on bussing with the boys and he made a point and well, exactly. You listened to it. He made a point about his family and about why he went Juco and then tried to get a D one. There's just something about this guy. Like some kids grow up tough that way, but it helps them later in life because it develops character. And it's just like, you need to see your parents struggle. You need to see some of that so that when you have your own, you know how to make good choices. You know how to handle adversity. It's just, it's an incredible thing. But right now, you guys are in the barrel. Like you, oh. as a, as a, what were you calling them, the command skins? Command skins. Yeah. <laughs> Ryan's been calling them the command skins all night. <laughs> so here's the question I have for you. So this is what I think is going to happen. The federal government's about to subpoena your owner. And then you guys are going to have to hear all the negative press around that. And then your owner is going to come up with some horseshit reason he doesn't have to do it. He's going to try to wriggle out from under that because he's been du- he's been ducking every major criticism or thing that's been levied at him his entire life. 
eventually he's going to have to show up and then he's going to sit there with his, uh, as I've, as I've called him, the owner of the most punchable face in, in, in North America. He's going to sit there in front of Congress and say what? He's not going to say anything, right, Ryan? Gonna plead the fifth. He's going to plead the fifth on all. Plead the fifth. <laughs> yeah, I ple- fifth. <laughs> there are so many numbers I could choose. <laughs> he's going to plead the fifth. And what he's going to do is he's going to back the NFL into a corner where the NFL doesn't have a choice. They're going to have to do something about this because he's making them all look like, do you get that sense being locally that your fellow fans are sick and tired of not only him making your franchise look bad, but just like where it ranks, like what it feels like being an NFL community member with that guy at the helm of your team. None of my friends that are fans anymore want anything to do with it. I mean, we've been coming to Buffalo for years. You know, <laughs> know it's, it's been awesome. Just, just one of those things. And it's honestly, so he's gonna, he's gonna get in front of, he's gonna get subpoenaed. He's not gonna do anything. He's in France on his yacht. He doesn't care about anything. He doesn't care about the franchise. It's, it's really just a joke. But also, the one hilarious thing is, I'm gonna leave y'all with this. Did you hear about when he was putting the milk underneath the rug in the press box? Wait, what? He was, oh, I can't remember who it was. It came out this afternoon and I was busy at work. He was in somebody's uh, suite at uh, FedEx. He was getting somebody to pour milk underneath the rugs during the week so that when this guy got into his suite on the weekends, the milk was spoiled and it just smelled the whole time he was there. Of of all the decisions Dan Snyder has made, ordering an employee to pour milk under Washington National owner Mark Lerner's seat is not the worst, but it might be the pettiest. (laughs) Where Dan wanted to see and this happened, the story I'm telling to me, it happened to where Dan wanted to see Mark Lerner's suite. We go up there to his suite. This was on a non-game day and Dan asked me to pour milk on the carpet under the seating in Mark Lerner's suite. So that the suite would smell like sour milk when the Lerner family came in on game day. And he had to do that on another occurrence. So if you're asking me to tell me things I regret doing, that would fall into that category. I owe Mark Lerner an apology. But I did it because Dan told me to do it. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right, I'm, I'm, I'm loving I'm that I'm discovering that in real time. Let's go, Buffalo. Preston. <laughs> Thank oh, you. We, we love you, brother. All right, man. I'll see y'all soon. Absolutely. See, Ryan, this is why Twitter Spaces is awesome. I love doing podcasts in this (laughs) format. That's hilarious. Milk on... Chris, you better watch your ass. Little milk under the carpet here, sass me. Well, you always see the sitcoms of like fish, Turn my of, mic of, like, down. of like fish in the air air conditioning vents. I've literally never heard of when nobody's around to clean it. Pour a little bit of milk on the carpet so it stains. Have you ever? Have you? I mean, you have kids, right? Have oh you ever spilled God. milk on the carpet? I spilled. You literally my smell couch. it. You, it gets in your nostrils. You smell it once, and you're like, I missed it. There's a spot somewhere in this goddamn house that I missed the milk and didn't clean it up. So Now I think imagine you're Mark Lerner paying millions of dollars for a private suite in a stadium to watch a football game to bring friends and family, and it smells like sour milk. So that's now the, that's, That is the pettiest of petty moves, and I love it. So for guys, when you listen to our stadium podcast that'll drop next week sometime, just... Keep this this little nugget in mind <laughs> that not only is he like d- does he not seem to care and is he running he probably doing the worst job running an NFL franchise in NFL history 
He's also just a dirtbag. And I mean, that's a great move. Listen, <laughs> I, I and, but but that's also because I'm trash. Yeah. I'm a garbage human being. So much so that he's not going to be the one to pour the milk. But he's paying somebody to <laughs> he's pour the milk. someone else. He's not even man enough to do it. Like, I... It's it's almost impressive what a what a hunk of garbage this guy is as a human it's being. Fantastic. So speaking of hunk of garbage, we have a beer review to, to <laughs> kind of start this off with. So Ryan, how li- dare you, sir? How dare you sell you the name? <laughs> Ryan um, lives in the Rochester area, and he brought he brought with him into the studio tonight Genesee Tropical Pineapple Kolsch. Now, if you've heard any of our podcasts, Chris, how many how many beers have we just royally panned? Over the years, I think there's a lot been a of bunch. Them. The first, I know the first one we ever did was the Labatt grapefruit, Labatt shandy. Oh yeah, because I remember, shandy. I remember telling you that you should you should take the rest out back and shoot it with a gun. No, bury it. <laughs> oh yeah, bury it. I was like, you, these these need to die. Like you have to take them outside and destroy them. So I'm looking at it. It's a blue can. It's it's kind of a rip off of the uh, ruby red. Well, it's not a ripoff. It's the same company. So it's the same company, but it's a, they, they basically <laughs> it's just the took captain. This, it's the Col- they, Captain Kolsch. Who's Captain Kolsch? <laughs> Did you just make up like like a hat? I may have. I don't know. Character? That's what I call them. Oh, I was going to say because if they're actually publicizing that, I would be like, I don't oh, think so they've you ever officially off publicized it. But doesn't it look like his name should be Captain Kolsch? It does. No, it does. <laughs> so it's a pineapple beer, which, in my opinion, like already, you're halfway down the road to hell. Uh, well, what's the ABV on this, Ryan? Uh, you know what? I four and a half percent. Yeah, four and a half. They're usually pretty good. So, so it's, Gen- it's Gen- bot- Genesee usually takes care of their. So it's canned water. So we'll, we're going to find out. Let's well, see. Four and a half is not too bad for a, a light beer. Drew claims. I anything- smell it, and I already smell what smells like. It smells like what happens when someone pukes on a bus, and then they spray like a fruit scented air freshener. I'm, I'm one and a half. I'm, 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 I'm into my second already. So you're not. You're. You're. You're not uh, gaining any favor. Drew's from me. level of. Oh, he he he's in his mind. He hates this already. No matter what it tastes like. Yeah, well, but it. like five percent alcohol in a beer. If it's lower than five percent, it's to him it's bottled water. That's fair. All right, so I took a very cautious first sip, and all I could taste was pineapple water. So I'm going to go <laughs> in for a second one. Let's see. Full pull. Here we go. You don't hate it. And you're you're angry because no, I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah you, I don't hate it as much as I, I thought say, I was going to. You're upset that you don't hate it as much as you thought you would. I was. I thought like this was going to be one of those things where I'd ask for Ipecac next, but it's not that bad. But also, it tastes flat. Like, and I think it's part of how it's brewed. They want you. They, they brew it with a pineapple in there. Yeah. It's a pineapple forward beer. You very much taste yeah. pineapple. It's like their ruby red, but. I, I enjoy this better than the Ruby Red, honestly. I, it doesn't taste carbonated. It tastes flat. Will you agree with me yeah, on that? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Okay. So if anybody's in the market for a flat, <laughs> fruit-tasting beer and they don't want to... Like, at this point, you could just drink a juice box and pour a little booze in it, but you're choosing to do a beer Yeah, but then instead. you've got that delicate balance between is it too much booze, is it too much juice, and this solves that Chris, problem for you. how often do you ever run into the problem of is it enough booze? Not often. I never. Mean, I drink liquor over beer. The any, answer any is never. I'll tell you what, Chris. You're going to be smoking tomorrow. This is a hell of a beer to go out and smoke with because you can down a bunch of them and not think twice. Chris isn't a beer drinker. He's, he's, he's become cultured now. Look at him. He's suburban yeah, Chris. Wants, yeah, but who wants to stand? Who wants, suburban Chris in the house. This is also a guy who doesn't smoke meats for very – I mean, who wants to stand I'm, out there and smoke meats with liquor? glass after glass of Yeah, what are you drinking, liquor? a gin fizz? No, this is a gin basil smash. The fact that you have basil in a drink right now is enraging to me. I, 
This is what I deal with. What's worse, the tropical pineapple Kolsch or the basil in gin? They're tied. I kind of, <laughs> I, I kind like if this room caught fire right now and killed us all, I wouldn't care. That's how angry I am about all this. So while we're on the topic of things that make us angry, Gr- Rob Gronkowski's announced his retirement. Let's talk about that. Let's wrap a little bit. First of all, do we all have a memorable Gronk moment? I feel like everybody who watches NFL football has at least one, especially Bills fans, because we we've seen the guy a lot. Do you know what my favorite Gronk moment is? What's that? The do elbow? The, do you remember the story about when Gronk retired the first time, supposedly retired, mm-hmm. and then didn't actually retire? When they informed him that he was being traded to Detroit, and his response was, no, I'm not. I'm retired. And they, they killed the trade, and then he was like, nah, I'm just kidding. I'm going Well, back. do you – so I know things, and this leads into my favorite. Chris, what, what favorite Gronk moment? Probably the elbow. <laughs> the macho man? Yeah, where he elbowed Trey White in the back of the head. Why is that your favorite? It's the only thing I remember. <laughs> well, then you, sir, are a football casual. For me, my favorite moment was the Miami Miracle. Because as you remember, shit, he, was, that, yeah. he was on the field as like the hands team for a Hail Mary pass. And instead, somehow, Kenyon Drake beats him because he just takes the worst angle you've ever seen to try to tackle a running back in the open field. And Kenyon Drake scores, and they decline to kick the field goal and use a loophole to win the game. Ryan, did you catch any? Did you catch it when he started talking there? Catch what? God. Only the best of the best can catch that. The way that Drew says the word. What's the. Here, Brian, I'll get you to tell me the word. What is the hockey movie with uh, Kurt Russell? I, I don't watch hockey movies. I'm not a hockey guy. Disney movie. It was based on a true story. Miracle on Ice. What was that again? Miracle on Ice. Drew? Miracle. Miracle. Yeah, Miracle. (laughs) God, soak your head, all right? So here's the real story, and I also know the real story behind that because you're right. That's exactly what happened. Um, I know a guy who drinks with a guy who I have cigars with, and then stories get told. I know both of the stories behind both of those moments. Um, That's exactly what happened. He Mm -hmm. said, if I'm not playing with Tom Brady, I'm not playing. Yeah. Like, I'm legitimately not playing football, which is why he, um, like, supposedly the the exact. That's how he ended up in Tampa. Supposedly the exact response that he gave. They said, Gronk, you just got traded to Detroit. And his response was, no, I didn't. I'm retired. So what I Which is a fantastic answer. Well, a phone call got made and just the, the question was, how much money do I have? How much money do I have set aside? Is it enough? All right, then. Never mind. Well, he was supposedly and then hold up the phone. And, and that was supposedly it. the guy that's never spent a dime of his nope. salary money. No, because some people work very hard to keep him in this position. So then the, the, the Miami Miracle. Miracle, miracle happens. <laughs> so the Miami Miracle happens, and you go, oh, Gronk, thought you were supposed to be some super athlete. Well, the real story behind that is that, and this, I think, speaks to who he is as a player, if I'm going to say anything positive about him. He had a leg contusion that had gotten infected. They were drawing court bags of bloody pus out of a contusion in his leg. He was supposed to be out that day. He decided to play because he was like, listen, we've lost a lot of games in Miami. And if we're going to come down here, I, I think I can contribute. Just drain it and I'll play. So on a, a leg that's like. Like, you should be in the hospital right now getting an IV and some... He's on the football field. The leg he tries to plant on to make the cut back to uh, Kenyon Drake is the bad leg. Ah, gotcha. And that's why you watch him just kind of stumble his way through trying to tackle him. That guy shouldn't have been on an NFL football field. 
That's who Gronkowski was. The dude was a warrior. His body will forever be destroyed. He's younger than me, but has the body of a 60-year-old already. Well, he had a body. He, he was older than us before he even got drafted. Remember, he was coming off of yes. two back surgeries before he even got drafted. That's why he flipped, slipped as far as he did in the draft. So with all that in mind, he's, he's now retired. No, by his, let's be well, honest. okay, but let's talk about this. Do we discount him and his status as an NFL superstar simply because of our proximity to New England? Oh, no. I mean, Gronkowski, to me, I, I mean, and, but I'm, I'm not one that's typically jaded by regional bias. I mean, Gronkowski was the, 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 the shift in what a tight end was or is in the NFL. Like, Kelsey... That's true. Knox. He kind of ushered like, in the area. Those guys and, are here. Him because and Hernandez of, put together a system that just brutalized teams, and then every team has been trying to copy what they did. Yeah, I mean, since. Belichick basically was like, "We don't need good wide receivers because I can just use tight ends like wide receivers." Yep. And because at the time, cornerbacks, you know, the top cornerbacks were five ten, hundred eighty pounds. Right? I mean, they, they weren't what they are now. And Belichick's like, you want to line up your your corners to guard my tight ends? Good fucking luck. Here's two of them. Yeah. it's So it's interesting because when you think about the way he brutalized Buffalo, think about what a good fantasy football stat line is. Gronk had 1,132 1, yards on 74 catches against Buffalo in his 16 games. That works out to about 71 yards and five catches per game against Buffalo over his career. Basically, he had a solid fantasy outing. Every, Every single time, time yeah. you play this. So that's a reason that I could see a lot of Bills fans not kind of downgrading what, what the impact of Gronk. On you the always NFL. want to pretend that a guy's not as good as he yeah. is. When it's your it's team why when people are debating, would, does he belong in the conversation for greatest of all time? Absolutely. He's crushed every Absolutely. postseason statistic that exists. Yeah. He's been the hero for his football team. He was a physical specimen that did things, to your point, that gave rise to the Dawson Knoxes, the Tr- Travis Kelseys, the uh, who else? Who are some of the premier titans today? Waller, Waller. Kittle. I mean, those, any guys. Of those guys and and if the the funny thing about if Gronk, it wasn't for Gronk nobody's looking at this position to find those athletes yeah. and the funny thing about Gronk is it was all after the catch mm-hmm. I mean everything that Brady threw to him was like a three yard slant and he not would everything just catch- but he get downfield well, but when yeah. you got him in the open field yeah that ten yard gain was fifty yeah. why because he was a, a monster he was a polar bear. It's try. It's try. I mean, it's literally like it was funny because you hear these the, the joke about Gronkowski, right? Is like he's a big he's a big dumb animal, folks. Right? Well, like, he is. You know, I mean, but, he is. But it's like have you, know, you, you seen almost, him trying to act in those AAF? Him, him training. It's almost like as a rookie, I picture trying to train my dog. Like Gronk, just run. Just run. Ball. Ball will be there. Just run there. Ball there. Run. Catch, catch ball. Go. And like. <laughs> And then he'd, he'd catch the ball and he'd rumble for, you know, 40 yards and people draped over him and he'd get to the sideline and give him a Red Bull. It's like, good job, Gronk. Good and job. then he goes out there and does it again because he gets a Red Bull at the end of the at the end of the <laughs> at the end of the day. Every time he does a good thing, he gets a Red Bull. What were you going to say, Chris? I was going to say if the NFL didn't exist, we all know his height of success in the job market would be bouncer at Red Door. Uh, he'd be a professional wrestler. I don't know about he'd a professional wrestler. Maybe. But so you look at that. So statistically, he dominated Buffalo. There was the Macho Man elbow incident. Then the trash talk at the end of the Bucks bills game this year, which I don't think a lot of people caught, but he was mic'd up for that game, and you could tell he was, he was out there giving, he was putting in work. Yeah. A lot of things he's done have come at the expense of our fan base, of our football team. Like, 
I understand why people want to kind of decry like, ah, who cares? He, he wasn't that good. Well, just a sheer fact that, uh, that he's from Buffalo. Too. But it will that too. But realistically, he's one of the best to ever play. Absolutely. So he reti- he announces he's retired now. Well, he's number five on Chris Russo's list of who's two- Chris Russo though? Mad Dog, Mad Dog, Chris Russo. Oh, Jesus. Chris Russo is still who's he put still, his he I mean, put his he was on first take and put his top five quarterback tight end duos and Brady and Gronk was five. I mean, Chris Russo also doesn't think the NBA was anything good after '85. So yeah, he's one of the. That's what I like. That's your that's your king. He's the, yeah, I was gonna say he's the he's the epitome of back in my day. Yeah, guy. That, that's why I love him. <laughs> is is that he's unapologetically yeah. back in my day. Yeah, that's how he starts every converse. That's why he's like the only national radio host that talks about baseball is because it's back in my well, day. Because back when he was relevant, but, yeah. baseball was still relevant. Exactly. All right. So I guess the question is here for Bills fans when it comes to Gronk. He's retired, quote unquote. And if he never plays another sample of football again, it means that he won't ever hurt our team again. The odds are, though, he'll follow Tom Brady anywhere, according to even his own agent. So, with all this talk about Brady playing for Miami at some point, being like the first owner slash player slash whatever Michael Jordan tried to be in the NBA for a hot second, like, if he were to strap on a Miami Dolphins uniform and come out of retirement, one, do we get to hate him more than we used to? Two... Do you think he's finished at this point, like physically? Or do you think he still has it because he's that good? I mean, he's only 31. But how many right? hits? How many hits is he? 31 taking? years old. Body of a he's, 60 year old. He's five. Reading years. comprehension of a fifth grader. He's, Rob Gronkowski. He's people. five months older than Travis Kelsey. <laughs> like, that's a wild stat that I think about way too often because I play wow. fantasy football. He's five months older than Travis Kelsey. So you look at like the the way that they play the position. The question has always been how long can you play that way, right? How long can you play that t- style of physical? Because at the end of the day, you run routes like a wide receiver, but you're still a tight end and you're still expected to put your shoulder down, yeah. run over these guys, run through tackles. You're not allowed no to one's slide. No one's done it better than him. You're not allowed to slide ahead of contact and stuff like that. You know, I mean, I thought Gronk was cooked the first time he retired in New England and then he went to Brady and the response, you know, kind of the, was like, well, you know, how good can Gronk really be? You know, and he was damn good in his first year with Tampa. And then he was damn good last year when he played. I mean, especially if you take your cues from fantasy football. He was a top 12. I mean, he was a startable fantasy football option the last couple of years in Tampa. The so, way so he plays, buying, I mean, so, he's, he's Frankenstein. He's basically so held you're together saying with nuts that there's, and cre- there's credibility here that he could still play. Why can't he? Why couldn't he still play? What, well, then, what did he show you at the end of last season that leads you to believe that not having to go through training camp, not having to go through a preseason, not having to go through the gruels of the first eight weeks of a season, coming in after the bye week yeah. and making a playoff run, what well, makes you think case, he wouldn't need to be productive? Well, then in that case, I don't give a shit. We're not talking about this anymore <laughs> because fuck you, Gronk. You'll come back. Chris, he doesn't get a montage. And I think it's it's much more likely that there. he will come back. I, Gronk, we do farewell montages. I've got yours right no. here. No. <laughs> yeah, hold that there farewell montage. He's, he's not done. Is. He's not done. So, this week, as I crack a fresh beer, it was Bill's week on Bussin' with the Boys. Now, this is a podcast that I don't regularly listen to. Chris, No, because it's a barstool podcast. But what are you drinking that has a horse on the can? Ah, Iman our resident barbecue chef, was nice enough to bring me some of the beers that Bill's Helmet Bar left here from their trip down to the States. 
It's called the JR 5.5. It's got a, well, it looks like an eagle or a lion or something on the can. It just says proudly Canadian. James Reddy is what it's called. I don't know. I'm interested. We're climbing in. It's a, it's a pounder can too, which is nice. It's nice because you don't finish it as quickly. Or maybe you do. I don't know. We're about to find out. <laughs> it's pretty clean. Ah, Canadians know their beer. Got to give it to them. So this was a great week for Bills fans over on Bussin' with the Boys because Eric Wood and Josh Allen both appeared in separate podcasts. Now, say what you want about Barstool Sports, but that podcast, depending on who the guest is, is not only highly listenable, but it's good to get... Chris, you like inside baseball stuff, right? Yeah. You love that. You love finding out the nuts and bolts of what's going on behind the scenes with things. Yeah, I That's what to, their podcast is. I listened to Bustin' with the Boys. I wouldn't say I listened to a whole episode, but they did have Burt Kreischer on a couple weeks ago, and they broke down fast food burgers, which oh, yeah. was a pretty good listen. And that's the thing. They're, they're conversationalists. I give Will Compton a lot of credit. He sounds like John Bernthal. If he wasn't, if like a dumber version of John Bernthal, like that's his voice. It's the way his little rasp. And Taylor Lewan is a smart guy for being a left tackle who was dumb enough to take on Bill's Mafia. In fact, he talked about it in the episode with Eric Wood. And so I've got some questions and some points to expand on from each of these shows because, I, but I urge you all to go listen to them on your own because they're great listens. Now, Ryan, I'm going to run down. You haven't listened to them, no, so I'm going to do barstool. I know, so okay. I'm going to run down a couple points for you, and we're going to talk about it. First of all, here's my takeaways that I found. Some of the takeaways I found really interesting from those shows, starting with Eric Wood's podcast. He talked about getting high in Seattle before getting on the team plane the night after he broke his leg on Monday Night Football. Because he said, oh, is that the first game we watched with Reed? Yeah, when Reed was at the house, he was on FaceTime with his girlfriend when uh, Richard Sherman ran our ran our kicker. Because he was still on the he was on the practice. He was a practice squatter, practice squad guy. So which is incredibly impressive. So Eric Wood (laughs) admits to getting high in Seattle before getting on the team plane because he's like, I've I've had so much like think about this. He told the story about how beat up he was over the course of his career and how he's like, I know what a compound fracture of the leg feels like. I've already been here, so I know my season's over, so I might as well smoke a little weed. Why not? What's the worst thing it's going to do? They're not drug testing me again. My year's over, so fuck it. We're getting high. I'm getting on the plane. <laughs> like, that, that, that was one. He also talked about Rex Ryan empowering players to kind of be booze bags during his tenure here as the coach. Like, unnecessarily empowering players to to live that kind of lifestyle. He also talked about how as a rookie, the NFL had no salary floor when he got drafted here to Buffalo. Yep, yep. And with Russ Brandon playing weekend at Bernie's in the Buffalo Bills front office, they refused to spend anywhere near the salary cap. So team the teams that he was a part of early on in his career were built so shoddily that he really didn't have a chance to compete at a high level. Something that the Pagulas showed up in town and it was like night and day. The yeah. the change. Which of those storylines do you find most interesting? So I don't find the Pagula one surprising. I don't find the Rex Ryan one surprising. Um I I mean I'm always interested when I hear professional athletes talk about getting high and you know what it dealing dealing with injuries yes. is interesting is an interesting conversation always for me because I'm always interested at you know, it's it's football is the acquisition of property through violence, right? And like, what does that do to your physical and mental well being? And so that I mean, that to me is an interesting story. Oh, for that. sure. Yeah. So, in regards to that, 
right, in regards to that specific story, it kind of leads into the broader point of how his career ended. Because you're a guy who's broken now both of your legs. Mm -hmm. You've suffered shoulder injuries, nose injuries. You've broken all your fingers. You've destroyed your body for the better part of a decade. So, of course, you would be the football player who has what he thinks is a shoulder stinger and just keeps playing through it, only to find out that your neck is destroyed. And that another hit, had he taken one, could have left him paralyzed from the nipples down. Yeah. And they were, he was like, and if it, if it was severe enough, I could have lost respiratory function and just died Yeah, on any given football play. And he was out there because he'd suffered so many injuries playing this game that he couldn't tell the difference anymore between what was a critical injury and what wasn't. They were all just nagging injuries. His first broken leg was against Jackson. Oh, they played it on the podcast and you got to hear Luan's uh. reaction. Lu- Luan almost got sick. Yeah, like I go check out that moment on YouTube. It's a hilarious watch watching Compton and Luan see it for the first time. So this happens, right? And all I can think about is that last point where you go, "I'm not that I made where you you said I'm not surprised about the being cheap in the front office point." It's damning. It's this is what we talk about about being a quality NFL franchise. This is what dictates. It's not pay. It's it's prestige. It's you talk about winning franchises, and they talk about how Buffalo would never be appealing, right? Buffalo will never be appealing to free agents. We always, for decades, had to overpay just to get anyone sure. with even a small name to come here and play for us. Yeah. But you establish yourself as not only a winner, but a perennial contender in a team that advocates for its athletes taking care of their bodies. And all of a sudden, you have guys like Von Miller who are late in their career and still chasing another Super Bowl who are willing to come here and play. You get there because a new owner came in and took over for what was happening. I went back and kind of investigated his claims because I was interested in this. And we got a tweet earlier. There's a biased in Buffalo is the guy's Twitter handle. They were tweeting with some people about what was the first domino to fall in the drought. And this is all connected. So Eric Wood comes in in 2009 and lands in this franchise and goes, well, wait a minute. I see the fact that this team isn't spending any money. I pulled the numbers. The cap was $128 million in 2009. Buffalo only spent $103 million that season. So they intentionally left themselves short of the floor yep. or short of the salary cap. When you looked at that roster, they had T.O. at the end of his career, mm-hmm. Lee Evans, and Aaron Schobel. Those were the team's three most expensive players who, at that point in their careers, Chris, aren't they all backups on a quality NFL football team? Yeah. Ryan, do you, can you think of a competitive football team that would make Lee Evans their starter his final year as a starter in the NFL? No. No. no I mean, Schobel maybe. Schobel might have been, you know, opposite of a premier pass rusher. But none of, I mean, not the, not the other two. No. So this was a team that was basically playing it cheap and knew what they were doing. Sure. Like it was intentional. So you go on year over year in reverse and you say, when did the first domino fall for the drought? Because this seems like a really shitty situation now that Eric Wood's talking about it. Yeah. In 2000, John Butler leaves the team in a lateral move to go be the G. Now, that, doesn't that seem weird? Usually GMs get fired and yeah. they're disgraced and they don't get another GM job right away. Yeah. He goes and is immediately the GM of the San Diego Chargers. That should tell you that something's wrong. Yeah. He sees something and he doesn't like it, so he's bailing. 
Then they release all of our veterans. Bruce Smith, uh, it was after the 99 playoff loss. Yeah, Thurman. Bruce Smith, Thurman, Andre Reed unceremoniously just get dumped out into free agency. Mm-hmm. And this team sets about putting together some of the cheapest rosters known to man. And Russ Brandon's driving the bus by the time Eric Wood shows up here. We earned every bit of that drought because mm-hmm. we had an absentee owner, and it it, it seems mean to say it because the man's passed, and you know I revere him. Mm-hmm. It was weekend at Bernie's. That's what this team was. And it's crazy hearing it from Eric Wood's perspective where he goes, here I am, I'm this young kid, I'm a draft pick, I'm excited. I know we could do something. And instead... I, just year over year, we didn't pay for depth. We didn't even pay for starters. Yeah. We went out there to get our heads kicked in every year. Now you look at how his career ended. Knowing that this franchise wasted the best years of his career, just being cheap. Just being cheapskates. Don't you feel bad? Not just for him, but for every player on those drought Bills teams. Yeah, I feel bad for a lot of those players. Chris... What do you think about when you hear that? Like people, we used to lament, why us? Why us? Why are all these bad things happening to us? It's almost like when you grow up and realize like, hey, I make poor life choices. That's why my life sucks. Some people, according to Twitter, like they haven't figured that out yet, but they will. (laughs) It's similar to uh, Ryan might know this because you might follow baseball at a certain surface what the Reds owner came out and said at the beginning of the year. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's probably what it was. Yeah. Where he's basically like, we're we're not in here. We're, yeah. You're not in it to spend a ton, shit ton of money. We're not going to spend a lot of money and basically come watch it or don't. Yeah. Yeah. That's what the Reds owner came out with this season to start with. Because they started with like, they were like, what, 3-22? and 22? Yeah. They started out abysmal and, you know, the questions where they should trade. Should they trade Votto? Should they, you know, should they let these guys go and play for contenders? And he's basically like, they can do whatever the hell they want to do. Yeah. Because we're not spending money here. Yeah. yeah we're you not know, here I to spend money. Yeah. I got a business to run, not championships to win. Yep. I'm trying to keep afloat. God. That's, see, and that's the type of stuff that bothers me because you hear about it from the athlete's point of view and you realize that guy sacrificed how much for us. For this football team. And that's how he was treated? Like, that's... And then to see that his... Just a multitude of injuries took its toll on him, and that's why we were robbed of one more season of a Pro Bowl center and had to endure a 2018 season with... uh, Who was the guy? Chris, who was the player? Who? I don't know. Who was the guy that we signed off the Bengals to be our center in that 2018 salary cap dump year? What's his name? Oh, Bodine. Russ Bodine. Russ Bodine. God, it's the whole thing is bad. It's all bad. So I think from like in terms of what was the most disappointing was the Rex Ryan thing. Like Rex wanted to be a player's coach, but he couldn't quite figure out how to get there without like giving away the farm. Right. He was like, hey, I heard, he, he approached his players, I guess, uh, with this attitude of you guys are so good that you're going to go out there and dominate. So you do whatever you have to do to get in the right headspace. So, guys, Eric Wood made the comment, I would look around on Sundays and see the hangovers walking around our locker room, and he goes, and I would just know in the pit of my stomach. And he's a boozer. He's an admitted boozer, yeah. but he goes, during the season, I wouldn't drink like that. 
And he would see the hangovers walking around the locker room on a Sunday morning and go, we have no shot. Rex, we, Rex Ryan was the exact definition of, like, you can't be friends with your with the people that work for you. No. Right? Yeah, we heard what Sammy Watkins said. Was it, like, two two years ago or whatever? He would just hang out on Chippewa? Yeah. Hey. Yep. Yeah. That was the that was the Rex that's Ryan he, culture. That was the Rex that's how he Ryan gets culture. Ready for a game, I'm gonna go on. I'm gonna go to Cowboys on Chippewa. But the, well, the Rex was trying to build a bullies. So I'm surprised he wasn't feeding him alcohol in the locker room. Well, and that's funny. That leads us to, to kind of the, the crux of this entire conversation about Eric Woods' podcast. He hit on a point that I want to expand on. He said that last year, because he was asked by Will Compton, "What do you think really got the Bills last year? What do you think that you know? What do you think it is?" He said the Bills' nemesis last year was teams that could get physical with them. And then countered with, I think they said we need a little bit of attitude, and they brought in Roger Saffold and Daquan Johnson to be tone setters. When you think about that on its face, and Taylor Lewan, who played with, the, uh, with Roger Saffold in Tennessee, said that Roger Saffold for an offensive lineman has the best conditioning of anyone he's ever met. Yeah. And he said he's a mauler. Well, he said, Rod, Saffold doesn't look like a, t- a line, uh, an NFL lineman. No. I mean, he's huge. He's, but he's, but he's agile. Yeah, he's, and he said he works, a lot of that's just the work he puts into yeah. his conditioning. Which And he said, he even said, he goes, late in games, I always knew I could look down and see Raj down there just, a, just wearing out some fat, tired defensive <laughs> lineman who isn't conditioned just to go into work. the deep water, yeah. and he's just working these yeah, boys over. Pulling them, out into the, uh, pulling them out into the deep water and dragging them down. So that made me feel good about it, but, so, like, do, first of all, do you agree with Woods' assessment? That like we struggled with physicality last yeah, year. Yeah, I mean they did. When they, teams they, they lacked they lacked an edge. When the Jaguars decided, hey, we're just gonna punch Buffalo in the mouth for yeah. four quarters and see what happens. Yeah. Like that they got us. Yeah. When Tennessee said, Hey, listen, if we just keep punching them and keep punching them by the fourth quarter, their defense is gonna tire out, we're gonna rack up points, we're gonna win this football game. Yeah. It worked. Yeah. They snuck one on us. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I could say it was a problem. So hearing that they, Daquan Johnson, he's a monster. Yeah. Daquan Jones. So is Roger Saffold. Do you think outside of those two signings that they did enough to curb that? Yeah, because I don't, I don't think like it, it felt to me on the defensive side of the football, you've got guys that I think that want to play that way. Like Oliver strikes me as the type of guy that wants to play that way. He's a bit undersized, but it strikes me that um, like uh, Poyer likes to play kind of, that kind of smash mouth type of in your face. I'm going to hit you in the mouth. 
Uh, they've got the rookies that, you know, that, well, second year guys now, but definitely like to play that way. Boogie Basham seemed to have that little bit of an edge, but it just felt like those guys were waiting for a vet to set that tone, you know, because Oliver was always out there. After every tackle, you know, he's fired up. He's pumping his fist. He's doing doing those little things. Well, even so, during plays, you'd see him tied up with guys. And if you watch, especially if you watch afterwards like we do, yeah. you watch like all 22 stuff, you see him still tangling with guys after the whistle just because. So it seemed like it seemed like he was trying to be a tone setter, but he maybe didn't have the the cachet yet yeah. in the locker room to be that guy. Not only that, but you just don't have like down the stretch at the end of the season. He had it. Yeah, he was nasty. Yeah, he was. You could see him bodying guys on the but inside even, line. But even him. But I think what I'm trying to say is even him acting being that it didn't. The rest of the defense didn't feed off of that, right? Like mm-hmm. you would with a veteran acting that way, right? Like mm-hmm. y- yeah, kid, go out and you know you got all this energy, you know, good on you. But you need a like a Jerry Hughes to be that kind of guy, and they went out and got that, right? They got Jones. They got um, Settle, I think, plays a lot like that. You've got, I mean, Shaq Lawson. Settle's a dude. Shaq Lawson set that tone when he was in Buffalo, too. I mean, yes. he, and he set that tone in Miami. So they went out and got guys that I think will will allow other teams to feed off of that. You saw that last year with, um, I always forget his name. What's the, the right tackle? The, the Spencer Brown. Spencer, Spencer Brown. Brown. Spencer Brown oh. was that same way. Like, he had that mean streak in him, but no one was following his lead, right? <laughs> because they all followed the lead of the vets, right? It was it was Diggs. Yep. It was, it was um, you know, Josh Allen. Those were the guys that set the tone. But they brought in these guys like Saffold who will accompany the Spencer Browns and – that will be the mentality that this because they don't need Allen to play angry. They don't need Diggs to play angry, right? They need the entire offensive line to play angry. And if you got Spencer Brown, Deion Dawkins is never going to be that guy. He's just not he's not that personality type. But Saffold playing next to Dawkins, you know, maybe a little bit of it rubs off on Dawkins. You know, maybe Dawkins can have fun acting, you know, have fun with it acting that way, kind of thing. But yeah, I think I think they did do enough because they had enough guys on the roster that wanted to play that way, but never quite got the rest of the team there. That's fair. We just got a DM from Lauren. I'm sure she's she's listening at home. She yeah. says, I think it's important to point out that Gronk is best friends with Brady, the man who is fucking aging backwards. He's probably on the TB12 cult diet and quote unquote lifestyle BS. Good. I hope he Maybe. gets skinny and gets some abs, and then someone can go out there and just knock him around. If he lost forty pounds, it would be the best thing that ever happened to us having him playing across from us. That's a, that's the thing too. Like you remember, like Gronk being best friends with Brady when you talk about you know can Gronk keep playing? Like people thought Brady was done, you know, eight years ago, and what's he done since then? Yeah, he's put together a second Hall of Fame season <sighs> or a second Hall of Fame career. Right, I'm gonna like, drink more because you're talking about this. I'm already like I can feel my blood pressure. Laura, she brought it back up. <sighs> so, Laura, it's your fault. Now we're talking about Tom Brady. Now I'm gonna drink. You you need to apologize to my wife for this. This is your fault. Josh Allen. So Josh Allen makes a surprise appearance on Bussin' with the Boys today. The podcast dropped today, Thursday, the 23rd. If you didn't love him before, you listen to this and you walk away with a brand new, like a new appreciation above and beyond what you already held for the man. Again, I'm going to run down a couple of the points I took away. Let's let's talk about him Uh, or at least we'll pick through him. So first of all, he was asked what the best thing to do in Wyoming was. And his immediate answer was just quietly to lean into the microphone and go drink. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, is he wrong? It's Laramie. 
Yeah. Laramie, Wyoming. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not a to, bustling metropolis. To, to be fair, I mean, that's pretty much a standard answer for any college town yeah. in, in America, you right? Do, you know what they're drinking up there, right, Drew? Oh, Montucky Cold Snacks. You know it. If you if we don't get some, Chris. I'm getting some when I go to Kansas City. They yes, sell sir! They sell them in Kansas City. I will be. It's like Coors Light wearing rattlesnake boots. I love it. <laughs> I love Montucky Cold Snack. He was going to. He talked about how he was going to declare for the NFL draft the previous year yeah. before he did in 2017. There was a lot of talk about that. The same year as Mahomes. Yep. But that a phone call that he didn't answer, a phone call that came in from his coach an hour before he made his final decision, is what swayed him. Like, that's the reason he's currently a Buffalo Bill, is because of that one missed phone call. Uh, He went to JUCO because he couldn't justify asking his parents, who he watched, we talked about this earlier, people watching their parents struggle, Mm -hmm. that he couldn't help but feel after watching his father struggle as a working farmer his entire life, he goes, I'm going to make it to a D1 school, but I'm not going to go there and ask my parents to help pay for it so I can try to be a walk-on. Yeah. I'm going to make it on my own merits because I think I'm that good. I have that much confidence in myself. And also, I respect my parents too much to do that to them. That got me right in the feels. Yeah. Like, that's a that's farm boy mentality. That's oh, yeah. You You yeah. don't hear that anymore. Chris, how many young ki- young men do you hear talk about, hey, the, the, the most prominent thing in my mind was don't be a burden to your family? I don't know. Not a lot of millennials say that. I grew up like that. Like you grow up, you yeah, grow we know. up, you grow up with a mindset of what you will and won't do, what you do and don't want to yeah. be to the people around you. It's different and it's, it's throwback. He also talked about the charity work he and other Bills players do here in Buffalo and how the connection that they share with the community is different. And he said, he goes, I'm not trying to be insulting to any other player and any other fan base, but what we have in Buffalo is different. And that's why I want to be there is because we're different from what you guys are and what you guys have. Chris, out of all, all those topics, which one's the most interesting to you? Uh, Josh Allen drinking in Wyoming. I <laughs> wish I could have been there for it. Can you imagine? Like, I mean, I, I mean, I get. Can you it. imagine him trying to sneak into a bar underage? How do you blend in when you're six foot four, two hundred? It's not like like people know who you are. Uh, yeah, I mean, I get it because that cuts both ways. Get, being the man who everyone can recognize isn't always great. I get it, like being in a college town because my brother graduated from Auburn and he was at Auburn when they had. Ronnie Brown, Jason Campbell, Cadillac, Cadillac. Williams. Yeah. yeah. Auburn was, I went for, a, there were a handful of weekends that I went. and That would have been what, like two years before Cam? So like a couple he, years before the yeah. before the Natty? Yeah. It yeah. was, I think it was, I, they, Auburn like should have, one of those years Auburn. They almost was, won it with those two. Yeah. Right, the, running back. I think they didn't, I think there were like three undefeated, yeah. un, undefeated teams and they were the team out yeah. from the national <laughs> title, but. Auburn is a college town. I've seen it. I would love to be a fly on the wall of seeing Josh Allen in Laramie, Wyoming, drinking. Just just boozing. Just throwing it back. It, I bet I, the stallion can throw him back. He does a real good job of playing the nice guy. Actually, we talked about it with Greg Thompson one day, that he's a maniac on the football field. Yeah. Like, 
it's not a coincidence that people talk about like when Marlon Humphreys, I think it was, was getting interviewed on a podcast and they go, who's the worst trash talker in the NFL? He goes, oh, Josh Allen. Yeah. And everyone goes, whoa, wait, what? They're like, no, watch the kid. He is constantly, he's in your face, he's in your ear, he's letting you know, hey, I, I'm going to dunk on you, now I'm going to reverse tomahawk dunk on you, now I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, and then he does it. Well, that's the thing with him, is like, it, it's kind of like, I'm going to do this to you, and there's not a goddamn thing you can do about it. And he tells you, but then he leaves somehow leaves that personality on the field, yeah, and then walks away from the game of football and becomes an exemplary human being, something I think a lot of star quarterbacks have struggled with. Even... Our beloved Jim Kelly. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, Jim Kelly was an asshole. Off the I've got a buddy of mine whose accounts. father was the bar manager at a bar called No Names. If you're, old, if you're, if you're listening right now live, you probably remember No Names, depending on how old you are. And I re- his dad goes, the only Jim Kelly I remember is the guy who used to come in and hit on guys' wives in front of him. He goes, I comped thousands and thousands of bar tabs over the years just because... Jim Kelly was a prick. And he's like, and there was nothing I could do about it. Yeah. No one could do anything about it. We have a quarterback who's everything Jim Kelly was except that. I think we're incredibly lucky. Well, I think, I mean, you know, Jim Kelly wishes that he had the physical tools that <laughs> yeah. Josh Allen had. I mean, yeah. let's, let's be realistic here. I think for me, the most noteworthy thing that came out of that was the talk about the charity work. Because you can hear him talk about, he talked about Oshai. And just talk well, yeah, about. Yeah, he's got a whole wing of a hospital yeah. named after his grandmother. Well, and so he started talking about how awesome our fan base is. Yeah, and I think I think the important thing about that too is again going back to the regional aspect of things. Like, there's not a lot in the Buffalo area, right, in terms of resources, mm-hmm. and that's kind of where you know teams like the Bills and the Sabers, like that's where they should be involved. Like, you get a lot of these, you know, L.A. and Miami and all these other NFL cities. There's so many resources because there's so many large corporations that exist of course, there. Yeah. And that's not the case in Buffalo. No. So, so it's it's so much more important that the team be involved in the, the local community and the fact that you've got the face of the franchise because it's safe to call Josh Allen that from the day he walked in the door, he's been the face of the franchise. For him to take that mindset and and even after signing a a nine figure contract to still be that same guy and not not be out gallivanting wherever he wants to go during the off season, but still coming back and doing these events. And, and it went, you know, when the, when the shooting in Buffalo happened, it was like the next day, the entire team was there, you yep. know, like that is so, so important. And they weren't there for the photo op. They were, you know, I think somebody, I think it was somebody asked Diggs, you know, like, you know, why did you come out? And it was something along the lines of, you know, wh- well, what else were we were supposed to do? What am I supposed or, to do? Yeah, Just you, sit at home. Right. I have the ability to come out and help and I'm going to right. now. Chris remembers this, me arguing with uh, Nate in 2019. I chipped my elbow falling off the, uh, it's permanently chipped, folks. I I destroyed my elbow falling off a podium after ranting about how Josh Allen was never going to be good enough. But it wasn't for lack of effort. Like, I knew who he was when I heard the story from Patrick, you know, you hear Patrick DeMarco tell the story about how it's a meaningless football game late in the year in 2018, and they're playing the Lions, and it's fourth and two. So fourth and two, is, that's not not exactly a quarterback sneak, right? Yeah. And But you've got to get there in order to ice the football game. And they go to the huddle, and all Allen does is call 17 dive. So it's him up the gut, and he grabs DeMarco by the face mask and goes, grab my ass and get me over that line. Yeah. That's it. That's all he said. 
And DeMarco was like, first of all, I've never been talked to like that by a quarterback <laughs> in my entire life. Second of all, what the fuck is this kid talking about? It's I have to push you six feet, kid. Yeah. I don't know if you realize that. He goes, there was no talking him out of it, though, because he had his mind made up that I'm going to win this football game. Yeah. You're coming with me. So even in 2019, knowing that I didn't like him as a passer, I never discredited who he was as a person and his drive and just his will to try to be that thing. Because yeah. I heard that story shortly after that game and I was floored. Like, Jesus Christ, this guy's a maniac. He's passionate about all things, but hearing him talk about the work that's been put in on his behalf at Oshai, he goes, I go there, he goes, it's emotionally heavy, but you do it because it helps you keep perspective. Yeah. He goes, we're athletes. We go out there and we think our... We think things suck. We're at football practice. We're putting in the work away from the game of football. He goes, it's real easy to sit back and go, ah, it's hard. I don't want to do it. He goes, it's easier when you think about your life in terms of there's a kid somewhere who's terminal or there's a kid somewhere who is just trying to fight to see tomorrow. Yeah. My life is real easy. Mm -hmm. And he just talked about how that helps keep him grounded on the football field, off the foot. He said in games when things get deep. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm never rattled because I have that in the back of my head that this is just a game. Yeah. I'm just I'm the best guy on the field right now and this is just a game. My life isn't hard. I'm going to go out there and play it like it's a game, not like the weight of the world is on my shoulders because I know that there's people out there who actually have it. Yeah. That is rare. Yeah. It's incredibly rare. And we are incredibly lucky that we have this guy here playing for our football team. And I think that it's it's good that not only is he the face of our franchise, because I think he really he, – he and Buffalo are a perfect fit, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Yeah, they really are. Chris, would you agree with that? Perfect fit. Perfect fit. So when you extrapolate off of that, the community getting to spend more time with these guys, that's – it's a good thing. Yeah. So Camp is returning to St. John Fisher for the first time in how many years? Pre-COVID. Three, three yeah, pre-COVID. And last year they wanted to try to do it. It wasn't like – there was a lot of conspiracy theories like, oh, well, they just want to kill it because McDermott's a control freak and he doesn't want people – they want to do this because yeah, McDermott it, believes in it. It was, it was. I mean it was basically shut down by the college last year just because of the restrictions. And, you know, I mean the, the Fisher has their own football team that's there at the same time, right? Yeah. Because they've got a, they've got a, a good Division three program. I, you, know, I, you know, I cover the, you know, D3. Brockport. You know, yeah, the Brockport, the, you know, the, the – uh, you know, the umpire eight conference and, and, you know, Fisher's got a good football team. They've got a storied tradition as a good football team. So they, they didn't want to give up facilities because they kind of needed to expand for COVID protocols and stuff like that. It just became a non-starter to have the bills there. So yeah, I mean the, the bills understand the importance of the regional connection to mm-hmm. Rochester, which you don't see in the NFL these days, really. You know, no. A lot of teams just want to stay, stay home. And, you know, I, I like that McDermott, thinks that there's something to getting those guys out of their comfort zone the camaraderie of spending time together and you know that they're at practice for three hours a day right and then they go and they watch film for another couple hours and they work out but the rest of the time they're They're together right yeah you're not going home you're not going to your separate corners you have to learn to live with each other yeah and you're going to form bonds and you're going to have things happen Training camp for the Buffalo Bills is it's such a special thing and so I think it's funny that talking about Josh Allen like we finally have a face of the franchise. Yeah. For the first time since St. John Fisher has been a thing, we have a guy we can point to and emphatically say, that is the face of our franchise and will be for the next 10 years, yeah. 15 years, however long he plays. So this is going to be the public's first opportunity to get out 
to St. John Fisher and see him, interact with him, get to touch and just be that close to it up close and personal. They did it his rookie year, right? So his rookie yes. year, they were they did it, but it, it was still there was still a lot of questions. Well, yeah, because nobody knew Alan, who right? he was. Yeah. Now it's going to be great, I think, for both the fans and the media to get to be there in that atmosphere with him, knowing what and who he is now. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for the first day of camp. Yes. Because there's always that excitement of watching the players come through the tunnel. Yep. And who the first one through the tunnel is, it's typically like Reed. Right? Yep. And the it's Reed, it's always the special teams guys. like Reed and the special teams guys, and they get like the... Light applause, a couple guys, a couple of, woo, Reed, yeah, woo. You know, a couple of guys know who he is, but beyond that, it's, it's not much. And then you get a couple of the rookies, you know, the undrafted rookies that are fighting for spots. You'll get a Tavon Austin. Oh, yeah. Right? And then you'll get, from off in the distance, you'll see him coming out of the doors. Yeah. People, you'll start the murmurs. You'll start the whispers. You'll start the kids running to the gates, you know, running to the fence lines. And then when they come out, it's a legitimate ovation. And I and it's always fun for me to go and listen and who gets the biggest ovation. Oh yeah. And in the past, it's always been who's going to get the biggest ovation, right? Is it going to be Diggs? Is it going to be you know Allen's the rookie quarterback? There's no doubt this year who will get the biggest ovation. Josh Allen. It's going to be Allen, and Josh. it's going to be Allen by a long shot over guys who are going to get big ovations, right? I mean, it's going to be Diggs is going to get a big ovation. Von Miller oh, yeah. is going to get a big one. Trey White when he comes but, back. But the pop, but the Stone Cold the, Steve Austin coming out in the middle of a wrestling it's, match. It's Allen ovation. hits the field, the screams, the yells. It's like football is back. And like, that's and our guy. Football, and we have camp, that guy. We're back. We're Super Bowl favorites. We're, that's the guy that's going to bring us to the promised land for the first time in franchise history. You know, don't be surprised if you see ESPN might be there. Oh, yeah. NFL Network there opening. You know, that all those Now, you being credentialed with, more yeah. years than not, I'm assuming you guys will be credentialed again yeah, through yeah. Rock Sports. That has to be such a cool atmosphere to well, get to awesome. part of. It's, I mean, it's it's awesome before we knew what we had in a guy like Allen. So well, I'm exactly. really looking forward to Super Bowl favorites, legitimate team, legitimate media coverage, being covered like a real football team who's got a real shot. Like, that's going to be cool. And for a lot of the guys that make it their living, Sal and, and all those guys that are there, you know, it's it's a long time coming for them because they've done such great work covering this team despite what it's been, right? I mean, it's it's really difficult, I'm sure, to cover a team that's been no good for a really long time. So I think the biggest pop for training camp this year is not going to be Allen. It's going to be... <laughs> Nate it might be Sal Capaccio. It's going to be Nate Geary when he comes out to snap and hold a, a Reed Ferguson snap. I don't expect a pop I, for that. I think, I think people are going to be genuinely confused. They're going to be like, why is that scrawny guy out there with the rest I of these athletes? I think you might be overestimating uh, Nate's popularity yeah. amongst <laughs> the Bills fans. <laughs> so since you're here, why don't you tell people the story about me getting accosted at training camp? By security. Yeah, so you, you've been <laughs> credentialed, what, twice? Yes. I think, and yes. and in both instances, you've had run-ins, one with Bill's security and the other with Russ a Brandon. fellow media, uh, was it, no, it was well, a fellow media member, it was... Oh, no, that was, uh, oh, Mike, uh, Rodak. Rodak. Yes. Rodak. Yes. No, that, everyone's favorite Bill's yeah, media Yeah, everyone's cover. favorite Bill's media guy. <laughs> Oh, that fucking guy. And but you yeah, know what? The funny thing is to talk to him about it today, he probably legitimately didn't mean anything by it. But as a young, as a person who just he, started he podcasting. probably legitimately does not remember that. No, of course so. not. <laughs> but because he's somebody, he had his, like, he was, he had his, he was in the game. Me, I was just a bystander who happened to get to be in the room. And he was like, who the fuck is this guy? Yeah. And you're also, so I remember 
I was going to meet you there because I had I had credentials too, and it was you know let me meet you there. We'll go and everything. So I texted you. And I said, hey, what you know? I'm planning on getting there like you know eight thirty because you know yeah. it starts nine fifteen. Usually they do morning interviews with the coaches and then they go down to the field. It was like I don't know six fifteen <laughs> something like that. And I was like, hey, what time are you heading up there? And you're like, oh, I'm already here. I'm like, it's not even not even light out yet. Like, what are you? What are you doing? So he's there, you know. Chris, if you're not early, you're late, right? Right, ass yeah. early. Like you beat the Bills. Like I the, beat everyone. You beat there. everyone. You beat like the groundskeepers. There was, like, a, you, there was like, a bunch of groggy college kids who had to get find my credentials for me. Yeah. So yeah. So then you go and cover the the the, the like the the scrum, right? And yeah. I I go up there and I cover it. And I remember fondly, I was with Cam Cam Boone, still friends with Cam, right? And I was. So we, we got done with the coverage. You said you had to go get the laptop charger or something. I don't remember what it was. So we, Cam and I came down, and we always would set up. I would always set up on the far side of the field. That's where the wide receivers would this come. Is the, this is the outdoor practice field. Yeah, the outdoor practice field. And that was the year. That, At Grownie Stadium. So I, I always went to the opposite side of the field because it was Sammy Watkins, and those guys were fighting for you know fighting for playing time, who was going to be the starting wide receiver stuff. So I would always set up on the opposite side. And, you know, I'm looking for you, waiting to see where you're coming out from. I'm always waiting on Icy. Like, he's always late for this <laughs> stuff, too. So, like, you know, it's, you weren't the only one. So I'm talking to Cam, and, you know, him and I are chatting. I'm like, where the hell's Drew? And I look, and all of a sudden I see some guy out in the middle of the field with a phone taking pictures. Like, and I look at Cam, like, who the fuck is this? Who's this? And I'm like, oh, shit, is that Drew? <laughs> sure enough, Drew, middle of the field. I didn't know that they were actually going to practice on that Middle field. of the field. So you, you saw me. I'm you saw f- me on the opposite side well, of the field, and you thought, I'll just walk across the well, field. I'll just and walk across. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Despite the fact that there are players on the field, yeah. not in your vicinity, but at opposite ends, fielding punts and practicing practice. snaps and holds. and Practice is happening. Like, they're, you know, they're the warming field. up for practice. Like, coaches are out there. Like, wa- you know, they're setting up the water. And all of a sudden, Drew's just out there like a like a... I don't know, like a tourist, like taking pictures in the middle of the field. Like, you know, and, and all of a sudden it, one of the trainers comes running out to you and I see Is him, that why he was so big? I, I thought he was security. flailing wildly at you. Well, the guy just got me under the arm and gave me the old goon hand where he got yeah. He gets you by the fat on the back of the arm and he just goes, you can't be on the field. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm really sorry. And he goes, I'm like, I'm sorry. I just thought that I was just going over there. And he goes, no, you, you can't be on the field. And we're walking together towards the track or that runs the perimeter yep. of the field. And I'm like, okay, I understand we're walking. And as I'm trying to talk, the only thing that this yep. guy will say over, you cannot be on the field. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, all right, Lurch. All right. I get it. I can't be on the field. Got Media it. Media credentials dangling. Media credentials swinging I'm new. the wind. I'm new. Yeah, as he's wrangling me across the field. It's like, oh my God. What a humbling experience. Like, I got a taste of what you guys do on the regular. It's it's exhilarating, but also if you don't know where to be, you really are like a bull in a china yeah, shop. Yeah, I mean I I, I constantly I constantly like to pump the brakes on that because I I give all the credit to those guys that do it day in and day out. <laughs> you know, Sal Capaccio and you know, all those guys that do that day in and day out. My favorite moment with Sal Capaccio was it was the end. You probably remember this. It was that same day. Yeah. It was the very final practice. They're getting ready to wind down. Sloppy practice. So here I am, and I'm just making small talk with Sal, just picking his brain, like, where should I be standing? What should yeah. I be looking for? And Sal, being a, a gem of a human being, yeah. is Legitimately walking, one of the nicest guys I've ever walking yeah. me through, like, okay, well, this is your first rodeo about this, so I'll kind of give you some pointers. And all of a sudden, Sean McDermott makes all 90 guys get together and take a knee so he can motherfuck them collectively over their sloppy practice. And I look at Sal, and I'm like, 
does this happen? And he just already has his notepad out. And he goes, no, no, this is not a thing yeah. that happens ever. Yeah. And I just realized, like, I'm so lucky I got to witness something that no one else, like, yeah. Average fans don't get to see this, but the, I knew in that moment looking at Sal's face that I was watching something special. Yeah. So if you were at camp that day, you got to see something that no fan had ever seen before, Yeah. which is a coach sit everyone down and go, "We this is our final practice. And, this is, yeah. Yeah. and a new coach yeah. who could have taken the Rex Ryan track yeah. and been like, well, I don't want to lose the locker room. I don't want to be too hard on him. And instead goes, this is bullshit. This is unacceptable. You're all better than this. Yeah. And just rode them into the ground. He made his mark as a different coach right then and there in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. That was the moment that, and that's what training camp is. And so I'm happy that it's back at a place where fans can get out to it on a regular basis. Chris, what is there? 12 open to the public? I guess I guess thirteen open to the public, but twelve at Fisher. One of them is going to be the the blue and red. If you're listening, interestingly, when are they going to stop calling it the return of the blue and red? I don't to know. The stadium because this is like what the fifth year. That yeah, they're they, doing they've that? been doing it. Listen, it's back. <laughs> if you're listening to this live right now, get a hold of us in the next twenty four hours. I will help hook you up with tickets to camp. Yeah, they give them to season ticket holders first. Like July thirteenth, I think. July thirteenth. Yeah. Get a hold of us in the next twenty four hours. I will help you. Get on our behalf because I'm not going. I got kids now. Chris ain't going. Chris has work. Unless yeah. you want to go. I mean, if they have an open practice on a Thursday or Friday. Yeah. I think, I think Chris is that guy where it's like, if I can ride with Ryan and park in the media lot. Yeah. It's yeah. Of, he'll he'll call himself your production assistant. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So if you guys want to go, I will help you get there. DM us in the next 24 hours after between now when the show airs later tonight. Get a hold of us. I will help you guys get there because I I feel like this is something that every fan should get a chance to experience. Yeah, I really do. I and think if it's you special. can't help them get a hold of me, especially you pass now. Me and I'll get it. Yeah, especially now with everything that's at stake, what this season means. Uh, but now that we're we're talking about camp, it brings me to one of my uh, Chris. This is a new segment that I, I I'm happy that we we get a chance to roll out. We're going to do it during the live shows throughout the course of both the off season and the in season podcasts as we do them. Drew's Hot Takes of the Week. Now, we're working on a sounder, but it's sponsored by this week. It, it's kind of hot sauce centric. I, I'm not going to lie. I love the show Hot Ones. Chris is kind of what gave me the idea. Yep. So Sauce Bay, they found us on Twitter. They sent me some free samples of this hot sauce. They have a simple, they call it a skinny habanero hot sauce. And they have a hotter habanero hot sauce. I have bottles of both on the table. Ryan, what is turmeric? You're smarter than me. So turmeric is it's uh like a earthy spice. It's typically like the base of like like curry powder. If you've ever had like any types of curry powders, yeah. usually usually that yeah. that flavor where it's like you can't really pin it down, but you've had it before. It's usually turmeric. Okay, it's not, it's not a very overpowering spice, but it's usually a pretty good base for for some pretty spicy food. Okay, well, Chris, why don't you wheel your ass over here? We are going to taste test these hot sauces. Ahead of Drew's hot takes of the week. That's right. I'm going to say some inflammatory shit. Some of you won't like it. Some of you will. Either way, if you're listening to our podcast, you're all going to hear about it. Yeah, and this is brought to you by Sauce Bay and their hotter and skinny habanero hot sauces. Now, Ryan, when you look at it, it's a thick hot sauce, right? Yeah. Okay, so we got ourselves a cap full. All right. Why don't you get a finger in there? I got What one did I grab? Mmm. You have the skinny one. Turmeric? Yep. The hot, and we've got what? Skinny hot. Habanero. Hotter habanero. Hot we habanero. have the hotter habanero. 
I'm not going to lie to you. This is pleasant. Now, in reading up on this, it's from New Jersey. There, you can find it on Amazon or at some of your... That's not a good start. Well, no, listen. Some of your local <laughs> grocers, all right, they brokered some deals. They've got some stuff out here. I'm, I'm looking at it right now. He gave me the list. Uh, Price Right, Shop Right, Food Line, and Harris Teeter. So they're, they're kind of got a nice spread of different regional grocery chains out there for about five ninety nine and under. Well, that's a good deal for for that. That's a good deal for a tasty hot. Now, now is this hot sauce? Now I see you drinking some water because it's a little hot. It's a little bit. But and we're we're Chris. He and I are I'm having not, a hot I'm one. I'm not nearly as attracted to the hot hot stuff as you are. So. Yeah, of course not. But I like this. It's got a good burn. Now, Chris, what did you think of the mild sauce? Good flavor. It's, yeah, it's not not bad. I would definitely uh, probably season that on some uh, chicken. Well, that's it. And so when you look at the list of things it goes with, they talk about chicken, burgers, the, the, the list of pork. It goes with a lot of things. And now tasting it, that's correct. I could see this pairing really see well. It. I could see it on. Throw me that bottle because I haven't had that one yet. The hot I'm sauce? Not, yeah. And I'm not. And you're not even over. a hot sauce yeah, hot guy. I'm an athlete. There, All I right. There I you caught, caught it. So, folks, the hot, the hotter hot sauce. I think it's delicious. It it's got a pleasant burn. It does, yeah. Not yeah, overpowering. Yeah. Sauce Bay, no shit. All right, you guys came through in the clutch. Not, I like not this a sauce. fan of the name, fan of the product though. Sauce it's all, it's all like we were talking earlier, right? It's all about you know the it should stand on its own, and that that definitely is something that I wouldn't have normally tried, but I'm glad I did. No, so- I am with Ryan. Uh, sauce Bay, like Bay. It's the word bay. That's what does it for me. Because <laughs> you think I do, snooky, I do appreciate, you well, Jersey I appreciate Shark? the play on words, right? Because it's like Salt Bay or like yeah. that, that whole meme rush that went. And, and I appreciate the play on words. But Well, here's what I'll say. The reason it's made with turmeric and it's low sodium, the reason this was made is because the guy has ulcerative colitis and okay. was like, hey, I need something that's going to help me. I have digestive issues, but I love hot sauce. He created this. It definitely has like a – it does. It has like a, a curry – and heat it, to it. And it yeah. finishes really clean. Yeah, That's what I like. There's no, there's no, it's not hanging around on my tongue. Yeah, yeah. It burned and now it's gone. And now I can enjoy this glass of bourbon. God, Sauce Bay. You know what? I'm going to give that, well, what would you say, Chris? Seven, eight out of 10? Yeah. I think it's a solid sauce. Yeah. It's, it's a solid, solid, all purpose hot sauce. Guys, go check it out, Sauce Bay. Now, I'm going to set you on fire the way Ryan's mouth is probably burning because I've got some spicy takes that we're going to close the show out with. First of all, since we're talking about training camp, winner of the Bills running back battle this summer doesn't fucking matter. Doesn't matter to me. I don't care. Don't talk to me about it. The rushing offense was decried a ton by fans last season. It felt ham-fisted. Like, we're going to try to force a rushing attack into this offense. And it didn't work. We yelled about it every single week. They still, even with the rushing game not providing results for most of the season, they had 15 games with more than 100 yards rushing. They went 12-3 and three in those games. Right? 12-3. and three. They lost all of the games that they rushed for under 100 yards as a football team. Singletary and Moss have one combined game rushing for more than 100 yards by themselves in the last two seasons. So our team is great when it's rushing by committee. Wide receivers getting into the fray, our quarterback doing some of the heavy lifting, our running backs getting involved on design plays just to keep the defense honest. It's a committee approach. So in that way, balance is more important than who wins the running back one battle. 
I think the numbers speak to that, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't think you're going to see – I mean, running back one doesn't mean in Buffalo what it means in, you know, Dallas, right? Like, you're not, like not going to have Zeke. No. You know, you're not, that's, no. Not, that's not the kind of guy you need, the guy that's going to touch the ball 25 times a game. No, because you already have a Josh Allen to do that. Yeah. Yeah, you need a guy – You need. I mean, it's – it's interesting too because I think I think Singletary and Cook make a lot more sense than Singletary and Moss because I mean Singletary can run between the tackles if he needs to right and Singletary, can he, he can, can he really he can okay he can but but yeah. Cook but, but okay. Cook, Cook brings a completely different dimension to the offense does he he does okay he does. I mean, different. It'll I'm be, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting, right? Because it, are they going to take carries away from McKenzie and guys like that? Chris, Chris, raise, Chris, I'm raising my hand like I'm in class. Ryan, any chance that Ken Dorsey is doing anything different with the offense? See, and there, and that's and that's interesting too, right? Because we don't know what Dorsey is yet as an offensive coordinator. You you imagine he's not going to change too much because if it's not broke, don't fix it. They actually said he's more aggressive. But he's actually more aggressive than Ryan Dable, and they said that that's part of the reason that their offense is quote-unquote light years ahead of where they were last year at this yeah. time. Yeah, but don't, but don't forget, too, in the NFL, you don't have to be able to run the football. No. You have to be able to show the threat of running the football. Yes. That's what's important. Which, I have stats to back that up. The Rams won the Super Bowl this year. They had two 100-yard rushing performances by a running back last season. Yeah. Both the, by Daryl Henderson, I yes. can imagine. Yeah. The Chiefs, no, actually, Sony Michelle down the stretch. Oh, had Michelle a had one at the end good of the year, games. Yeah. The Chiefs went the opposite route. Okay, They had nine 100 rushing yard games. I, I don't know how many by a running back. I didn't bother to look into it. They had 10 games with more than 100 yards rushing, but what I thought was funny is in all of those games where they had more than 100 yards rushing, they had less than 279 passing. Yeah. And they won, like, they in all of those games, they lost three of them, right? So if you ran, like, when you, because you look at it and you say, okay, you're racking up the rushing statistics because you're way ahead and now you're just bleeding out the clock. In the games where they threw for less than 300 yards, they had 140 yards rushing because they were almost protecting Patrick Mahomes yeah. for stretches. Well, one of those season. games was against Buffalo, right? In the season. Do the Ryan would know this because we it's the only clip that we play on the show regarding Jerry Sullivan, but it was something within that clip that Drew you just referenced. You just said something about oh yeah, there's stats, but I didn't bother to go look them up. That's such a Jerry <laughs> Sullivan <laughs> method of approach. Oh, you you live long enough to become your enemies. Like yeah. that's what happens. Ah, oh, shit. No, the, the key is you just say whatever you want, and when someone challenges you, you just say, "Well, look it up." Yeah, go look it go up. Go look it up. No, I, I didn't get the numbers because I'm lazy and I have children, and I just I got tired. But the idea is is that both of these teams accomplished a lot last season without having a preeminent running back yeah. or having a quote-unquote great rushing attack where one of your running backs is carrying the load. So I, I teams who refuse to invest heavily in that running back position are surviving, not just surviving, but thriving with this running back by committee, which is what we are. Our running back room is a Swiss Army knife. So in that way, I don't give a shit who quote-unquote wins. I don't care who looks like they're running back one, running back two, running back... Look, I, I'll, <laughs> I care, it's all meaningless. I We're, care a little bit because what? I play fantasy football. Singletary is what he is yeah. at this point in his career. Yeah. He's not great. He's not terrible. He's a small running back with contact balance who can grind out yardage if the box allows it. Yep. 
it's telling that he's faced over the course of his career. He's like top five for light boxes and still doesn't have a thousand yard season. He's not dynamic by any stretch of the imagination. Moss, no one knows what he is, right? Because he's, he he, he's hot garbage. Well, he, his physicality from college hasn't translated to the NFL. Yeah. No one knows what he is. Cook, passing down back that nobody in the draft community projected as a consistent threat to run the football. He. <laughs> he's the J.D. McKissick sweepstakes consolation prize. That's what that's what Cook is. Hey, you tried to get this one thing and you couldn't get it. Well, here's an attaboy. You get a thing that's almost like the thing you wanted, but not quite. But younger and cheaper. Uh, Duke Johnson is T.J. Yeldon 2.0. Hey, hey, I'm a Duke Johnson fan. T.J. Yeldon 2.0. <laughs> Guy with interesting chops, right? few big games on his resume that you can point to and go, maybe he could be the Duke guy. Johnson would have been a hell of a free agent signing like four years ago. Of course. <laughs> and yet at the same time, you don't know if he's even going to make the fucking roster. No. no. Taiwan Jones, one of the best special teamers in the NFL, but there's a reason that in 2013, Reggie McKenzie, the then GM of the Oakland Raiders, called him a cornerback on their depth chart. He's not a fucking running back. Well, he's not anything. They just need a a place to park him. Right, right. He's got to be on a depth chart somewhere. So for me, going into training camp, the Bills can do whatever the hell they want. I'm not going to pay attention to this at all when it comes time for camp conversations. Chris, hold me to this. When summer rolls around, camp starts, I don't give a shit about what happens with these running backs. Nah, write it on the board. Seagram's back. I want. I, I will. I am. I am. I'm, well, what's your Drew? What's your offer? My offer is I will never openly reference the running back battle. For, I will wager a Seagram's on it. Never, never once, because I don't care. Look, look, look at the Bills can do whatever the hell they want. If they go Singletary, Moss, Cook, and Jones, cool. That's kind of what we all expect, right? No, I, I don't expect Moss to make the team. Okay, so really, then single. Oh, so then yeah, Singletary. Jo- a, so okay. Singletary Johnson, Cook, and Jones. That's sad for Moss, but don't fumble on the goal line against San Francisco and make me go batter a, a wicker chair into pieces in my driveway. Stop dropping I, the I football; guess, you'd still be on the team. And I only say that because I don't know why you bring in Johnson if you're not looking to get rid of Moss. If they decide to keep both of them, no. And you're, no. If they go Singletary, Moss, Johnson, and Cook. No, they won't get rid of Jones. I yawn at that. They won't get rid of Jones. Your special teams group is loaded with veterans, so they probably won't miss Taiwan Jones. They'll be fine. Welcome to the bench, Duke Johnson. Call Travaris Cadet, Chris Ivory, and Matt Breda, and you guys can form a, like a support group to talk about what it's like to never see Chris, the field for the Buffalo Bills. Chris Ivory was woefully underrated. Chris oh, Ivory was woefully really underutilized. And grossly <laughs> underused. I just don't think it matters. You'll never get me to agree that this year's running back competition means anything because of how good our quarterback is and because of the style of offense we choose to employ. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I agree with you in that I, it doesn't matter who is. I don't know how you on this team, I don't know how you even would try to define RB1, RB2, because I think, no. that, I think that Singletary will be the primary ball carrier. And I think that Cook will probably get worked in fairly significantly to probably by the time the season's out, Cook will probably be seeing seven to 12 touches a game in some form or fashion. It's telling that I have to open up a moose head to chase this tropical beer of yours. (laughs) It's two beers ago. (laughs) Now you're angry for no reason. You're just angry. I'm all fired up here. It's a combination of whiskey and just a night of talking about hot sauce. The hot sauce. (laughs) My blood pressure's up. 
Now, this offseason, all you're going to get from me when you talk about running back battle, the Larry David dismissive, just... That's all you're going to get from me. My second hot take of the night, and I'll close with this one. And if you guys have any anything to say about it, at Rockpile Report on Twitter... Cornhole and can jam are two of the dumbest things anyone's ever created. They're worthless. I'll start with cornhole. First of all, it's difficult to transport. Like, good luck taking it anywhere. I ran it by you when you first got here, Ryan, and what was the first thing you said? You go, oh, if you're doing this at a tailgate, you're kind of a dickhead. Yeah. So if you're doing there's this... No, there's no way to set up cornhole at a tailgate without taking up primary real estate and being an asshole. Okay, so let's say you're not doing it. Let's say you're in a backyard. Okay. Barbecue, cookout, 4th of July party, what have you. The games take forever. I liken it to a game of horse where everyone gets involved because they're like, let's play horse. That sounds like a, a fun game. And you very rapidly find out everyone sucks at this because the only shots you can make are the same <laughs> shots I can make. And so we just stand here like dickheads in your driveway forever. <laughs> you know what my go-to <laughs> shot was in horse? Because I, when I... The skyhook? Please tell me the skyhook. No, because I'm not 6'11". So sometimes we would play that when I worked at the park, did Parks and Rec in Alpharetta, Georgia. We would play it. My go-to would be a free throw. Swish. I would call Swish because that was the only thing I was good at. <laughs> you got to do a gran- granny free throw, like the Jack- like Jackie Moon? No, no. Jackie Moon! <laughs> no, I would not do Jackie Moon method. I would just do normal. I was real good at a free throw and call and Swish, and that was my go-to in horse. Okay, so when you think about cornhole, when's the last time you played a game of cornhole that lasted less than 20 minutes? Oh, yeah, I've never played. Never. It's never happened. In the history of drinking in backyards, there has been no less than 30-minute game of cornhole. Well, you probably spend more time arguing about the rules. Thank you. That was my next point. <laughs> no one can ever agree on the scoring of the rules. And the other, and the other time you, you're arguing about the score because nobody can keep score. Because no one can keep score. Yeah. So you're like, well, who had it? Who didn't? Who Whose turn is it first? Well, who scored the points last? But even then, all of that only matters. If you can get like that only matters if you feed into this weird bro energy that seems to like <laughs> flow around the game of cornhole like guys fist pumping all excited. Yeah, they're high fiving chest bumping. Why? Because you threw a beanbag. <laughs> you threw a beanbag. It's not like you're Rob Gronkowski running through a defense and stiff arming people. You threw a bag full of corn kernels through a hole drilled in a piece of wood. You're an ass. That's what you are. <laughs> the fact that you're celebrating mediocrity on this level, you like that, that says more about you. Like you suck more than the game sucks. If that's what you're celebrating. Yeah, I I, I get it at a tailgate. If it's at a picnic, it's not. I, it's, it's not impacting people me. who feel like they need to brag about. Like that. That's the other thing that gets me. Guys who are like, dude, I'm so good at cornhole. <laughs> cornhole <laughs> on the list of athletic like events and things you could do. Ranks somewhere, but like it's above putting a puzzle together, but it's below bowling. Have you ever done like a thousand piece puzzle? Yes. It, it's it's nerve wracking. It, it takes fortitude. It is. Chris, I see like you, you look like you have something to say. I don't have anything to say. <laughs> and the worst part is, is that if you do well at cornhole, some douche in a, in a visor, right? A visor and wrapper on sunglasses is going to come up and congratulate you and tell you, good game, bro. Do you want that? Do you want that on your doorstep? Because we, now you're one of them. Some some guy in like a with like a, a Yeti koozie. Yes. <laughs> a Yeti koozie is gonna walk up to you and congratulate you, and now you have that on your conscience. Yeah. Oh. At the same time, can jam. 
Frisbee stinks. Let's, <laughs> let's get real. It's a sweatier version of catch. It's just catch, but more difficult for no reason. Catch has been popular since the late 1800s. No one needed to run around aimlessly and dive for things, right? <laughs> well, you just got to be They ac- had polio to worry about, for God's sakes. You just have to be accurate with the Frisbee. <laughs> okay. Which, it, it's you're obviously telling us that you are not accurate. See, Can Jam can is a see, difficult one because it's, it's tough to play Can Jam on asphalt, right? Because there's always the inherent risk that you could fall diving for a Frisbee or, you know, the, the yeah. you know. Who cares enough to <laughs> dive for anything? You know well, what? Listen, if you're gonna play, play. This is why I think it's, why I don't play. This exactly. Is, this if is you why can't win. Don't play. This is why I think <laughs> Drew has more of a problem with can jam than with. I'm amazing at can jam uh, because cornhole. my gorilla no. arms allows me to be the best swatter anyone's ever seen. That's but what I, I hate the game. Go. I, would I argue won't play. That, I would argue that Drew's probably upset because can jam takes a, a modicum of athleticism. No, yeah, here's what play. it is. I'll tell you what it is. <laughs> Frisbee. Is, it's a useless skill. And ever since froth took off, right? Froth became a thing. It's not froth. It's, it's, it's disc fris- golf now. Yeah, disc golf. <laughs> okay, you politically correct sons of bitches. I will not hit. It's froth. And I will, I will deride it until I'm dead. Froth takes off, and these Frisbee people get cocky and go, well, we can just these, Frisbee every these sport. These Frisbee people. They go, big, we can, big Frisbee. That's who Drew's worried about. We can Frisbee every sport. Frisbee football failed. Hey, when I was in college... Yeah, a hell of an ultimate frisbee. Of course, yes. ultimate frisbee. See, yeah, it was you fantastic. People, you were the people. I remember throwing a stick in, onto the field and tripping a kid once, like Big Daddy. Like I did that to a guy during a ultimate frisbee game. How ultimate do you feel now, jerk off? <laughs> Catch that frisbee. Drew would be. Drew, you would be. Was that because you? You're were fat, just bothering was that, people. Was, was that because you were fat and angry? All is you're doing is bothering people at the beach, throwing a frisbee around. You're all jerk offs. It's all. It's all time. It's it's all a. a when, when, and where? Right? Yes, yeah, right. Yeah. But, but so this is it. I like you think about that, and these people are so desperate to make their this skill set that they've honed for no good reason. <laughs> they, they've honed this skill set for no good reason. They need it to be applicable, so they invent can jam. I'm fucking tired of it. All right, true. <laughs> I wanted to tell you that you would be very good at ultimate frisbee because you are Puerto Rican. And that involves running, just like Puerto Ricans are good away at running away from their family. <laughs> oh my God. We're going to get canceled now because of this. No. This, this is hilarious. This is perfect. I, I As a offering... resident in Puerto Rican, I will say I've never met my biological father, so I guess See? that kind of tracks. I'm I, offering a 12-pack to yeah. whomever shows up to Drew's tailgate this year with can jam do it and successfully finishes a game I'll, and this well but this is it you just said it games the reason i think i the, just oh, beer, on, beer on the laptop pick it up beer on the laptop that's hilarious do you want me to go get some rice to pour on your keyboard so the real reason i hate both of these things is because they're just games that adults of all ages feel compelled to engage in during tailgates beach days backyard cookouts Generally speaking, it's just kind of a lame attempt to make it seem like you're doing something. That oh, look, I'm I'm active. I'm out here participating in an event. No, what you're doing is getting drunk in a backyard or yeah. a field or a parking lot. You are day drinking, sir, and there's no way you can class it up with some horseshit game and be like, "Well, no, I was really paying attention to this thing and we we went there and we were competitive." And no, you weren't. Is it is it odd to you that? 
cornhole has become like a like a sport to the point where it's like on ESPN. It's a game that why but why hasn't Can Jam risen to that level of popularity? Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> I could do a one hour dissertation on all this, but what I'll say is we as people are broken. This is a sign of a broken society. Nobody here is willing to admit the fact that I just like getting drunk during the day. I don't need an excuse to day drink. Oh no, I was just playing I was just playing cornhole with the boys in the backyard for five hours. Well then you get to then you get to the age of thirty and you learn how to smoke meat. Well, that's it. And now you would grow up and you become an adult and you cook a, you cook, but people are getting fed. Cook a brisket. It's constructive. It's constructive. People are being helped by your efforts and you and end you up. Could, you could donate extra food yes. to the home, you know, to the homeless shelters. Yeah. Bet, this benefits you can't donate can jam. No, you can't. <laughs> now, I just, we were going about this on Twitter and I once declared that we should normalize people just standing around in a parking lot, talking to each other, drinking beer. Before okay. sporting events, okay. making before, conversation like, before like going into shop before at Target, go, before anywhere. I, I'm down to tailgate for anything, but I don't need to. Ta- I don't need to bring a whole bin of activities with me to do this. And the best opposition anyone could bring to my doorstep was that, well, it's boring. It's boring. What? What? You're just going to stand around and talk? That's boring. It's not us. It's you. Be more interesting. Get more interesting <laughs> friends who can make interesting conversation. Go have life experiences. Go where you can have tell life. Story. Yeah. Thank you. Live a little bit. And you won't need can jam. You won't need cornhole. All of this stuff will resolve itself if you just live a life worth talking about. Learn some things that are worth telling a friend about. You'll never have to worry about playing can jam or cornhole again. I defy, if you don't agree with me. Feel free to voice your opinion at Rock Power Report on Twitter. But for tonight, we got to get the hell out of here. I got Chris. one more thing. Oh, Chris has something. He put it on the screen. For he me. put it on the screen, folks. We are a legitimate podcast studio. <laughs> Monday, we turned seven years old. Oh, that's right. Wow. Yeah, Our seventh birthday from the re- the test recording. We, Congratulations. We in June of 2015, we did three test recordings. Two of, or one that was the only one that was recorded because. Of my computer. Because <laughs> of your incompetence? Incompetent computer. And yeah. just trying to get my bearings as a uh, producer together. So that way when we went live in September, we had we had no problems. But we went from recording in your apartment in Depew to the kitchen of my old de- apartment to making a, my second bedroom in my apartment a studio to now I moved in with my lady, my landlord, <laughs> And built out this studio space. Did you ever think we'd be here with a neon? Literally, like Ryan, look at this sign. That's a a great sign. We have our own tri-layer steel neon sign. Like a bar. Like a bar sign, except it's the Rock Pile Report. It's our logo. It's us. It's right here, screwed into the concrete wall. I didn't think we'd ever be here. I didn't think we would get to a place where we were on a... Goddamn network. <laughs> that someone was cutting us a check every month for doing this? It's yeah. wild. I mean, but, you know, the, everybody that downloads this, you know, contributes to... For sure. ...to our income at this, which we just throw at buying equipment to make this... This thing... Cr- to make your face look <laughs> better, because... <laughs> Next on our list Good is luck with to that. buying better cameras. Good luck with that. So, Nobody needs to see this. In so high we depth. can take you from a five to a five and a half All right. on camera. So you want to end the show with this conversation about our birthday this week 
Yeah, Ryan's been around since the beginning. Like you came in, probably the within the first year. Yeah, well, when did we When did we meet at Pittsford Pub? When What, what year was that? That had been sixteen. That was before it was twenty six. No, it was right? the Rex Ryan year. It was the Build a Bully year. Build yeah, a Bully I year. That. So it was, and I, mean, I remember pulling into the parking lot of the Ed, Pittsburgh Pub and telling Chris verbatim. I know, I know, because I have it. I go, this fucking Ryan guy's going to be there. <laughs> I go, keep an eye on. Didn't me. we? Didn't I invite you guys? Or oh, how you did. That work out. Yeah. Somebody invited you. You invited us. Yeah. And I remember pulling. I, I know in, talent when I see it. But I, I pulled in and I was like, <laughs> Chris, keep an eye on me because I'm going to try not to drink too much. But I have a feeling I'm going to put this Ryan guy in a headlock. Like, I just, I feel it coming because you have this personality on social <laughs> media. But that's what I love about you. When I see you in person, I love you. But for some reason on social media, I want to fist fight. Yeah. Still, it, I think still to this day, we get on each other's nerves. <laughs> to that you and I still butt heads. And we randomly oh. leave the group chat. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing how, like. But isn't that a thing of Twitter when anybody tweets? You read that tweet as if that person is standing in front of you, yeah, and they're saying it like an asshole, yeah. yeah. And I so I don't think I've ever read a tweet in a. This seems like a common measured yes, tone. Yes, yeah. right. So what so that would have been? So that would have been your guys's first off season then. Yep, covering as a podcast. Yes, group. yeah. So I must. So I. So I think because we started. So that would have been. I think 2014 is when I started with at Rock. Sports net because I, I was doing some stuff with Bills Fanatics before then, Icy and I, and then we spun off and we started doing stuff with Gary at Rock Sports Network. So that would have been because that would have been the first year that we had credentials, yep. 2015. And you guys and were, we were going to be, we were doing, uh, you were doing James a show, Wilder, James Wilder, James Wilder, who I famously, Gary Smith is out there right now laughing at me as we speak. I said James Wilder Jr. was going to make the roster, and he and did. He, he so la- it, so he interestingly, la- like Wilder to me, I mean, he should have made the roster. I thought I thought it was criminal that year that he didn't make the roster. I mean, he he carved. Out. I don't know if you guys have followed him. I mean, he did yes. carve out a pretty nice career CFL for himself career. In the CFL. Yeah, no, he, he played was for the Argonauts for a while. Yeah, I did follow his him just to try to vindicate a, myself. His dad was a hell of a running back for the for the box. So yeah, I mean, so that was the year that, that was the show that I invited you guys because it was a big deal, right? We were going to get a player on. Like he was a guy that had you know his father played in the NFL. He was a really cool guy. He played for Florida State. You know, he was a, kind of a long shot, but had a path to the roster. You know, and then um, so yeah. we invited you guys out because you know I was talking with Gary and we were looking for guys to collaborate with, and I forget how it was. I somehow caught wind of your show. I listened to a couple episodes and I was like, oh, these guys are they're good. And I talked to Gary. I was like, they're good because I like that they're not trying too hard, right? Like <laughs> we're not you trying guys to have be never good. in the seven years you've done it. The, the one of the most endearing qualities, and I to me one of the be- best podcasts are those guys that don't take themselves too seriously right well, like no, it's like we're just ever. happy to be here happy to have a platform if somebody wants to listen cool but otherwise like it's like your version of can jam right like this is an excuse for me to sit around and drink <laughs> talk football like so oh, happy no. yeah so yeah hoisted by your own petard now so oh, no. so i invited you guys out and i was like hey it'd be really cool if you could come i don't think i reached out to you directly i reached out to your twitter handle yeah yes. so i never i didn't really know who was who, and I didn't know who was coming. I just knew Rockpile Report was coming to Pittsburgh Pub. Yeah, both of us. And I think Chris reached out to me and texted and was like, hey, we're here. Like, where should we park? Because it was packed. It was right after camp, right? And I walk out there, and there's Drew in his Dodge Ram pickup truck. And I'm like, ooh, because I grew up on a farm, but it was never Dodge, right? It was always like Fords and Chevys. I'm like, ooh, this fucking guy driving a Dodge pickup of all things before Dodge pickups were, you know, a thing. I'm like Dodge pickup man, and he, 
and you guys came in, and I think it was a you know shook your hand, and it was like from that point on, it was it just this is a it, you were in a group chat, you know, we were texting each other like that night, group chats after that, and it's been yeah. That's kind of been everyone's like. That's what I love about this thing. This thing we're doing right now. There's people still listening to this. There's people to. Well, maybe there's not, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> I love the look on Chris's face. He's like, De- I don't know, man. Definitely not. We, he's like, we lost some of our live listeners a long time ago. It doesn't matter. Here's what I know. This all has value. It all comes around. You meet people. You we meet each other. People come out to games and they meet us and yeah. they say, "Oh, these guys." I've heard them on a podcast. I want to go meet them in person. And we are who we sound like we are. Yeah. Well, you are who you are. (laughs) I just do my best ability to take my personality and turn it to 11 as best as as I can. Because Chris has to actually try to be a human being. Yeah. Which is hilarious. But it's it's so cool. Like, you know, because I, I, you know, become friends with like Nate Geary. I play fantasy football with him and, you know, uh, other guys that we've. It's also where we met Nate Geary was at Pittsburgh. It was that night. Yeah, actually, was, that day at camp, it was that day because I'll never yep. forget that he tried to he waved at John Murphy and John Murphy just gave him like the oh hey like he was a fan yeah and Nate looked at me and went I've been doing this guy's prep work for four goddamn years and yeah. he doesn't know who I am <laughs> and it was it was refreshing to get to see that side of things yeah. too like I, all of these experiences that we've had together I've learned from and so I'm just pumped that you're here today doing the show with us because it's like. It's just the growth of these relationships yeah. that you make in this thing. I mean, we've been you know, you've you've gotten married, right? <laughs> yeah. you, you, we've we've, we've both had, had two kids. Like this right? is I got divorced. You got, got divorced. You got divorced. And we we read my divorce final being finalized. I almost now. served your wife. And now yeah. your story has come full circle, and yeah. your suburban Chris with yeah. a you know with a backyard and shirtless weed whacking and yeah. smoking meats and start that in the morning you're like a real like a like, a, like, like a, a real, real boy yeah, i'm like a real man <laughs> guys i love it this podcast has come full circle so i think it's time for us to get the hell out of here we've done an hour and 40 somewhere in that neighborhood uh, <laughs> throwback podcasting <laughs> hey it's our show i'll do whatever the hell i want I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Krueger. That's Ryan Lacell. And this has been your Rock Pile Report. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.